thank you, Lord, this morning that we can come knowing that we serve a faithful God. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. And God, you're not going to fail us. And we thank you, God, for always being there, for always coming through in the way that you do, in your timing, Lord. We just thank you for it. And we just praise you this morning. God, we pray as we continue with our service, as we hear your word. God, we open our hearts just to receive from you. God, let nothing get in the way of what you have to say to us. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Do in us what you need to do this morning, Lord. We love you. We give you all these things, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 15. So we finished last week with Absalom. Absalom is David's son. Absalom is beautiful. Absalom has long hair. In a few weeks, we will discover that that long hair was a problem. But not today. I'm going to not do one of those. I guess that's a tease. I just gave you a tease. David would stand, uh, I mean, Absalom would stand at the gate and people would come by and he'd say, where are you from? They'd say, oh man, we're from Alito. Well, good gosh. What's going on? Well, in Alito, you know, this is going on, this is going on. He said, man, there's not a judge for you to see here that's going to take care of you, but if I was judge, I'd take care of it. I'd fix it. I'm here to tell you that if I was the judge, I'd be sure that your case, which obviously to me sounds like you got a good case, you're good to go, I'd be sure that you'd get things worked out. Man, there's, I, I'd take care of you. And just, just remember that. He did that morning after morning, day after day after day for years, just standing there telling people what they want to hear. He would not tell Lillian she was old. He would not do that. I'm sorry, Annie Bob. As someone that makes faux pas from speaking, I feel your pain, dude. I know that you're going to spend all day. Uh, you're probably going to apologize to Lillian three or four times a day. Did Lillian stay? She didn't. She left. Sorry. No, she's right back there. She stayed. She stayed. But I must admit, when I heard Annie Bob call Lily, I think you call her the oldest Lillian around, which was a term of endearment, I'm quite sure. That uh, I sat over and I said, today ain't barbecue preacher day at lunch. <laughs> I did get a kick out of it. Thank you, Annie Bob, for the the fun today for me. I'm sorry it's at your expense. But for once, I get to have fun. I can go to bed. I'm going to go home, take me a nap. And I'm going to go, they ain't talking about me today. They're talking about anybody. <laughs> I love you, brother. Don't, don't feel bad about calling Lillian. She's the sweetest lady. I mean, there, you couldn't find a better lady than Lillian. And you did call her old, didn't you? <laughs> You know I wouldn't do that, Lillian, right? Your loving pastor would never call you old. What? What did you say? I can't hear. You are not old. You've just been here a while. Yeah, but I would never do that. I just tell you I would never do that. That's, Absalom would not do that. All right. So let's get on with it. Absalom. And as I finished last week, I told you I can't stand Absalom's. I would not be like Absalom. I would not do that. I don't want to be Absalom. I, 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 have, I am imperfect. I have lots of problems. I have lots of struggles. I have lots of issues going on. And uh, like right now, whatever's going on back there, nobody's watching me. This thing, it's just, you know, so y'all fix that for me. Please. And... Uh, Absalom would just tell people what they wanted to hear, and uh, he was building himself a following and getting himself a following. 
And Absalom was divisive. He was uh, hurt. He had pain about how he was treated by David, by his brother. He was hurt by what had happened with his sister. And he was at it. Had a meeting with David. All sounded good. But he was just set on ruining David. He was going to take the kingdom away from David. And so here we go. Verse 13. Let's just kind of go through this verse by verse and, and see what we can learn and maybe draw a few lessons from this. Verse 13. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, all Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. All right. So we have a message and a messenger. Now we find out later in the book of Samuel that this messenger was a messenger that David trusted. It was a messenger that he would listen to. He would confide in him. He was a man that he knew was uh, for um, David. And so he listened to him. Now, in verse 12, we have the same thing. It says, soon many others also joined Absalom and the conspiracy against, uh, gained momentum. So you got two different messages from two different perspectives. And one perspective is Absalom is winning. And the other perspective is David is losing, right? Isn't that pretty much it? A choice is going to have to be made. Are we going to be for Absalom or are we going to be for David? It seems to be that Absalom is getting more people on his side than David. What are we going to do? Well, one of the lessons that I think we can learn from this is we need to be careful about messengers and messages. Do you realize that when they build the Sonic in Alito, Alito will be ruined? Do you realize that? Do you realize that when they build the Sonic in Alito, there will be wrecks, death, destruction, and burger smell? There, there are going to be so many people die at that intersection where they're putting that sonic. It's going to be just horrible. Alito will never be the same. There is no way in the world Alito is going to be able to survive sonic. You know, and I drive by sonic every day. And I've seen a couple of wrecks there. I, I, I drive by nearly every day, and, and every now and then I think about it, it didn't ruin us. There were messengers. There were lots of messengers. There were people all over Alito that said, you build that Sonic in Alito, Alito will never be the same. It will die. I mean, it happened. How many of you have heard this message from this messenger or a message like this? When H-E-B comes to Hudson Oaks, Walmart is done. Y'all heard that? I heard that a lot. What are you going to do, Lee? You go to Walmart. You're a Walmart guy. What are you going to do when they build that H-E-B? I, I don't know. You know, people said, when, when they build that H-E-B in Hudson Oaks, H-E-B is so nice, the colors, the aroma, the way the, the aisles are set up, and the people that are there, it's such a delightful place. <laughs> they build that H-E-B. I went to find out what all the stuff was about. 
I've been in there two or three times, just checking it out, just kind of having a looking around. I go to Walmart. I see all the people in HB loving the fresh colors, loving the color scheme, loving the beautiful people looking at the beautiful things, and I just go, I'm going to Walmart. I go to Walmart this week, you can't find a parking place. There's so many people in Walmart. I walked through the front door of the Walmart deal and I said, I thought this place was dying. I wasn't going to be able to come over here and get anything anymore. I'm not going to be able to get my Walmart chicken. I'm not going to get my, my Walmart broccoli anymore over here. It's over with because H-E-B is coming and life is over. You know, if Trump gets elected, <laughs> the United States of America will cease to be. Do you know that? I heard it. I heard the messenger. I heard the messages. They said that if we elect or they elect or you elect or whoever elects this guy, if he is the president of the United States, there will be World War IV and absolutely everything will be a loss. I'm still waiting for it. Now, the same messengers from different sides of the aisle said, when Hillary gets in there, everything is going to fall apart. If Hillary gets in there, we won't have any money. If Hillary gets in there, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. Now, Hillary didn't get in there. And, and somebody's happy about it. But we are in the Bible Belt South. If we was up north, it, the woo would have been the other way. Right? I, I'm pretty sure that I could have survived a Hillary, Hillary presidency. I, I mean, I just, I think I probably would get up in the morning and go to do what I do. I think I'd still drink coffee. I, I'm pretty sure I'd still take a shower. I mean, I think... I mean, I, 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 I don't know for sure. I don't think she would come, ever come visit me or talk with me. I don't think I'd ever have any kind of engagement with her. But, but Trump had neither. I mean, he's never called me, doesn't talk to me. I, don't, I mean, I, I'm not sure exactly what they do. Messengers and messages. We are bombarded with messengers and messages. And if you're not careful... It will impact your life in a negative way. You with Absalom or David? Who are you with? Who are you going to go with? Absalom's pretty. Seen his hair? <laughs> Absalom's pretty. Seen his feet? Oh my. He's got the prettiest man's feet there is. I looked at Absalom the other day, and I went, that's a fine-looking man right there. I'd follow Absalom anywhere. David, he's kind of a little bitty guy. David's getting old. David, David probably can't do as many push-ups as Absalom. If you watch the news, you know what I'm talking about. Whose side are you on, David or Absalom's? We're forced with these decisions. And, and here you have here, right here in the scripture, you've got a decision to make. David or Absalom. Now, if you haven't read the story, it'd be fun to take a vote. It'd be fun to see. Now, I've read the story. I kind of know how it turns out. And so I know who to vote for. And what's going to happen, and I'm excited about all that. But today, here we go. How does David respond to the message from the messenger? Then we must flee at once, or it will be too late. David urged his men, Hurry! If we get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem 
will be spared from disaster. Now, you might stop right there, as I have stopped right there this week, and I have looked at that, and, and just pretend that this is all I know. Just pretend that this is all you see. I'm a little complexed. I, I, I'm a little bit just kind of not quite sure what to make of this. David, who fought Goliath, is running. David, that has defeated giant after giant, foe after foe. David, that has seen God defeat Saul for his kingship. He's running. What, why is the guy running? What's going on? I mean, look, he just woke up one day. A messenger comes to seize him and tells him, Absalom is coming. Absalom has a force. Absalom is to be reckoned with. Absalom is telling you, David, I'll be your huckleberry. That's what he tells him. He said, I'm coming. There's going to be a time of reckoning. This is what's going to take place. And, and immediately, David packs up. He says, hurry, come on. Let's get it going. Let's get everybody taking place. Let's start packing, start packing right now. Pack only what you need. Where are we going? He didn't know. He didn't say. He didn't say we're going out beyond the Jericho. He didn't say we're going out beyond the Jordan. He didn't say we're going to go on down below the Dead Sea. He didn't say we're going to go up river. He didn't tell. He didn't say. He just said, hurry, pack up, get your go bag. Let's get out of here. Where's his faith at? I mean, come on, David, you're the mighty king. You've been taking care of us. We've been following you. And, and, and you're just running? But David says we must flee at once or we too will, will be, uh, we'll meet our fate. When Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem, it, we, won't, we won't be spared from disaster. He says if we leave, we'll be spared from disaster. And his advisors respond in verse 15, We are with you. Do, you. do what you think is best. David, what about prayer? What about God is on his throne stuff? What about you walked out there and faced that big giant and you hit that boy between the eyes with a rock? Where's that gone? Where did it go where Saul chunked spear after spear after David? Where's it gone to? What about being able to walk right into the middle of, of Saul's army and, 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 and not be noticed? What happened here, David? But his advisors, they say, we are with you. If you think it's best we run, if you think it's best that we get out of here, do what you think is best. We're with you, David. We're coming, buddy. We're on our way. So verse 16 says, So the king and all his household set out at once. He left no one behind except ten of his concubines to look after the palace. That's quite an interesting thing. It'll be more interesting in a couple more chapters. That's all he left behind. Ten concubines. He had lots of concubines. He left them to take care of the palace. Do what? I don't know. I mean, before Absalom moves in, be sure the stairs are all good and clean. Make sure the master bedroom is nice and tidy. Make sure the ensuite is delightful. Make sure the subway tile glistens. I mean, 
he left ten concubines behind to take care of the palace. The king and all his people set out on foot, pausing at the last house to let all the king's men move past to lead the way. And so David and his entourage are all together. They begin to walk. They walk through the Kindred Valley. They begin to walk up the Mount of Olives. And as they're walking up the Mount of Olives, they come to the last house that's there, the Mount of Olives. And David says, let's hang out here for a while. Be sure all the men go first. All the leadership, they got to go first. And all the king's men moved past to lead the way. There were 600 men from Gath. That's Philistine. That's Philistines. Who had come with David along with the king's bodyguard. David has with him 600 fighters. And Ittai the king. Then the king turned and said to, to Ittai, a leader of the men from Gath, Why are you coming with us? Go on back, King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. Absalom don't even know you. You're going to be okay. Well, just stay here. You arrived only recently, and should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go on back and take your kinsmen with you, and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, now what is David doing there? David, you got 600 warriors who have showed up to be with you. you. You reckon there's a reason you might need them? I mean, if you're sitting in your house today and, and a mechanic shows up and it's a mechanic that fixes air conditioners, you might hold off for a moment. Your air conditioner may be fixing the brake. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying, I just think it's strange here. I mean, why in the world would 600 Philistines go to Jerusalem? Well, why would that happen? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. They're the wrong kinds of people. You don't invite them over to eat. You don't get them over there for some some pita bread and, and some of that moose mash stuff, whatever it's called. They're there. And David says, you know, y'all really ought not to go with us. We don't even know where we're going. And, and, and from, from where I sit, y'all be better off just going on back to Jerusalem and waiting for Absalom to come because you can fit right in. You can probably go down there and find you a few apartments and get the best ones you want. But look what happens here. Then the king turned and said, Ittai, leader of the men from Gath, why are you coming with us? Go on back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, foreign in exile. You arrived only recently, and should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go on back and take your kinsmen with you, and may the Lord show his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Ittai said to the king, I vow by the Lord... And by your own life, that I will go wherever my Lord the King goes. No matter what happens, whether it means life or death. Now, the only thing I can take from that is God is at work. God is at work beyond what David can see. God is at work beyond what Ittai can see. What would cause Ittai, a Philistine, 
to say, David, no matter what happens, we're with you. You, you. you don't even know each other. You've had a few dinners. You've, maybe you've had some tea and the crumpets in the evenings. Maybe, you know, you've had some watermelon every now and then if a good watermelon crop came in. But, but y'all aren't close. But, but there was a loyalty that was established here that obviously has meaning for something. When you're walking through life and mysteriously people enter your life and you can't quite make out why they're in your life, you need to set a, well, set a spell. You need to ask. You need to watch. You need to see. There may be something you have no idea about. There may be something that you will never see, never explain, and you may not ever understand, but there's a work going on that's beyond you. And you see that happening right here. There's a work going on beyond David and his people and Absalom. Ittai showed up with 600 people, 600 fighters. David replied, all right, come on with us. So Ittai and all his men and their families went along. Everyone cried loudly as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and then went out toward the wilderness. Zadok and all the Levites also came along carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They set down the Ark of the Covenant and Abiathar offered sacrifices until everyone had passed out of the city. So here you have this crazy march of people leaving Jerusalem, walking up the Mount of Olives, which is the same Mount of Olives that Jesus walked down to Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's the same mountain. It's the same road. It's the same place. Then, verse 25, the king instructed Zadok to take the ark of God back into the city. Now, here we go. You got to hear this. You got, this is what you got to take home with you. This is what you got to apply to your life. Remember I said, I just can't figure out why David ran. Well, he should have stayed. He had Jerusalem. Put a whooping on Absalom. You know, guard those gates. Put men up there on those walls. Fortify this place. Get it set up. Dig you some foxholes, David. Don't give up so easily. Fight for it. Fight for it, David. Be a man of faith. Stand up. Remember what all God's done for you. Remember Goliath. Remember all the times God has come through for you. Remember, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't run away. You're running away, and it's breaking our heart, David. This is our home. This is where we've lived. This is where we've raised our children. This is our place. But a messenger came to you, David, and said that Absalom had done put together an army, and he was fortified, and he was ready to go, and he was going to come, and he was going to put a whooping on us. And for some reason that, that we don't understand, you said, hurry, pack up, let's go. And now... You're sending the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark that people died for. The Ark that we had so much trouble with. The Ark that took us forever to get to Jerusalem. Now, you're sending it back? Have you lost your... I mean, I, I would look at David and I would be 
from just what I know right here, right now, I w if I was in that crowd, I may not say nothing because you might get killed. But, but I'd say, the boy has gone crazy. He's lost his faith. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's, it's just not the right thing to do. But David instructs Zadok, take the ark of God back into the city. And David said, if the Lord sees fit, he will bring me back to see the ark and the tabernacle again. But if he is through with me, then let him do what seems best to him. That's faith. Now, I don't know why he's leaving Jerusalem. I don't know why he sends the ark back. We find out later why he sends Hushai back. We see some of his plans being unfolded in these next verses. But David had not lost his faith. It may appear that someone has lost their way. It may appear that someone is making decisions that's close in your life that absolutely seems ridiculous. It's not reasonable. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make mistakes. But they believe it's what God wants. They believe they need to leave Jerusalem. They may not even know why. But David hadn't lost his faith. Matter of fact, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I've never heard such faith if the Lord sees fit I'm going to tell you if the Lord sees fit I'll be here next week if the Lord sees fit this will work out if the Lord sees fit that will work out that will work out that will work out if the Lord sees fit I mean, David turns around and says to all his people, his advisors, the spiritual people, the leaders, the army, Ittai, and all these people, and they says, well, why are you sending the ark back? He said, if the Lord sees fit, I'll see it again. I don't see it as an end. I see it as what I need to do right now. I see it as prudent. I see it as necessary. I believe we need to get out. I think if we stay, then... Absalom might die. I think if we stay, Jerusalem might be destroyed. I think if we stay and fight, things may be worse for everyone. And so I choose now that the very best thing that we can do for everyone is for us to leave. And if the Lord sees fit, he's going to work all this out. He will bring me back to see the ark and the tabernacle again but if he is through with me then let him do what seems best to him you have faith like that I mean that's faith if it if it's if it's a pleasing to the Lord he'll do what he wants to do but if the Lord is done with me, then he's going to do whatever sees, he sees fit to. The king also told Zadok, the priest, look, here is my plan. You and Abathar should return quietly to the city with your son Amaz and Abathar's son Jonathan. And I will stop at the shallows of the Jordan River and wait there for a report from you. So Zadok and Abathar took the ark of God back to the city to stay there. David walked up the road to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. And so he's a man of faith. He's a man of leadership. He's a man of direction. He's a man of experience. 
but he's a man who is hurting. I can't imagine how difficult it was for David walking up. Who's after him? His own son. I'm sure he was thinking back to all that had taken place, all that had been experienced, all the events that he had to go through in order to put together the kingdom in Jerusalem. I'm sure he's crying because he's leaving. I'm sure he's crying because Absalom's coming. I'm sure he's crying because he sees all the families around him being disrupted. They're not going to go to school. The volleyball tournament's been canceled. You know? The picnic we're going to have next Saturday, that's done now. All our plans, all we had invested in, all our thoughts, all our goals, all that we have, it's gone. And all I'm holding on to is, if the Lord sees fit, we'll return. If the Lord is finished with me, then he's going to do whatever he wants to do with me, and there's not anything I can do about it. Faith. And so he walks off this road, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and his feet were bare as a sign of mourning. And the people who were with him covered their heads and wept as they climbed the hill. When someone told David that his advisor, Athaphel, was now backing Absalom, David prayed, O Lord, let Athaphel give Absalom foolish advice. So he prayed. First sign of prayer that we see, that we know of in this story. He said, let's go. If the Lord sees fit, I'll see the ark again. If the Lord doesn't see fit, he's going to do away with me. Hey, Athaphel, he, he's with Absalom. Lord, may you use Athaphel to give bad advice. Zadok and Abathar, the priests, will be there. Tell them about the plans being made in the king's palace. And they will send their sons, Amadaz and Jonathan, to tell me what is going on. So David's friend, Hushai, returned to Jerusalem, getting there just as Absalom arrived. So you've got a man leaving Jerusalem, which is substantial in sentiment, in purpose, in feeling. I mean, my stars, this world, would absolutely turn into a complete war if something happened in Jerusalem today that either the Islam or the Christians or the Jews saw as, you know, an abomination. I mean, there's four and a half acres in Jerusalem that is the most fought after and the most contested and the most emotional piece of land in the world. And David is just walking away from it. With faith, with plans, with putting people in places of strategic involvement for further purpose, but nobody sees that. Ittai doesn't see that. The moms with the children don't see that. The dads don't see that. What do they say? Everything is lost. Have you ever been out there to Jericho? We've got to live past Jericho. There ain't a tree within 600 miles of Jericho. There's, there's a stream there in Jericho, but after that, you can see the Mount Nebo across the way in the Jordan. Nothing green. We're going to go live on the moon. How are we going to grow food out there? How are we going to have enough water for all these people? How in the world are we going to be able to do all this? And the man that we trusted in, the man that we believed in, is crying. He ought to be crying, walking us away like this. 
But David, if the Lord sees fit, he'll bring us back. If the Lord doesn't see fit, he'll do with me whatever he wants. There's some lessons that I think that we can learn from this story very quickly. Today, today, today may be one way, tomorrow may be another. You got today, we know we have today, we may not have tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow for you, tomorrow for me, may be completely different than it is for us today. Today, we've got today. Tomorrow may be completely different. Chew on that for a moment. Let that set in about your spirit, your attitude about how you go through life. We know one thing for sure we got today. These people that are leaving Jerusalem, they had the day before. Kids out there in the streets playing, people having fun. And that day's over. Now, what's going on? They're running for their lives. We've got today. We've got today. Live for today. You've got loved ones in your life today. You've got people in your life today. You have words that you need to say today. You've got grace that you need to give today. You may not have tomorrow. If you're thinking, I'll do it tomorrow, you may not have tomorrow. You just don't, you just may not have it. None of we may not have tomorrow. We have today. We have go to church day. We got today. We have today. We're going to have lunch today. We, we, there's a good chance we'll all get to have lunch today. And there's a good chance we'll all get to probably go to bed today. Maybe. There's a chance. But to not live for today, because tomorrow is going to be so much better, is one of the most stupidest things in the world that we do. Think about that for a moment. Living for tomorrow, living for next year, living for when I get my house taken care of, living for when I get the new job, living for when I go to school, living for when this happens, living for when we have the baby, living for when the baby can walk, living when we have the vacation, living for this and living for that, and always living for tomorrow. You've got today. Live for today. Why would Jesus have told us, worry about today, tomorrow you'll have enough problems yourself? Why did James said, don't go around planning all these plans, say we're going to go this city and that city and this city and that city and make all that money? You don't even know what tomorrow holds. We have today. We got today. That's all we've got. That's all they had. They just had today. Don't you know that they were walking up, crying, walking up the Mount of Olives, wishing they would not have argued yesterday, wishing that they had gotten together, wish they would have shared things, wishing that they had said the words that they needed to say yesterday because now life is completely different and it's uncertain and we don't know. And they had yesterday. And now they no longer have yesterday. They got today and today is horrible. Today is bad. Today is horrible circumstances. 
It's, it's, it's uncertainty beyond description. It's just beyond thought. We just don't know how it's going to work out. We don't know what's going to take place. We had yesterday, and yesterday there was, there was security. There's no security today. We had that yesterday. Today. You've got today. That's all you've got. We have today. We don't know about tomorrow. Tomorrow might be just like today, but we don't know that. That's a gamble. That's a stretch. If that super volcano blows up at Yellowstone, our tomorrow's completely different. <laughs> I've gone fishing somewhere. I mean, I know that's a horrible thing to think about, but our world is like that. Our world is very fragile. If you look at all those things and you go nuts, you have today something else, appearances can be very misleading. If you choose allegiance based on appearance, you may make a huge mistake. And we are prone to make allegiances based on appearance. How many times you've heard in these politics, who looks presidential? Who acts presidential? Who looks like they would be a president we would be proud of? Oh, appearances. I'd love to have Absalom as my president. Okay? He's pretty. Okay. Read the rest of the book. You're probably thinking about things, decisions you're going to make, and appearance is a major, major portion of it. How it looks to somebody, how it feels, somebody, other people think about it. Be careful with messages and messengers. Walmart's still over there. Sonic is here, and Alito is okay. CVS is coming, we're going to be okay. It's okay, you can't see the sunset from the sign. I mean, come on. I don't care for either. I've been in a CVS, I don't get the big deal. I've been in an HEB, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand, that is so not life. It, it, it's so not worth our efforts. Isn't it amazing the things that we get caught up in that mean so much to us that absolutely have no real meaning to life whatsoever? Be careful that you don't get caught up in that. A leader may do something that appears to be crazy, a mistake, a snafu. It is not, and you need to hold on. Simply put, God does things some ways, sometimes in ways that you just can't figure out. You just need to wait. Do what you know you've been told to do. I know I've been told to live for today. I know I've been told to live for today. I know I've been assigned to honor God today. I know I've been assigned to relate with him today. I know I've been assigned to give him glory today. Not figure everything out. 
not have all the answers. Just honor him today. Sometimes in your life, all will seem lost. The news that you just received, it's unbearable. You, you're just not going to be able to handle life with those new things that are going to take place. The illnesses, the losses, the changes. But even with David leaving Jerusalem and crying each step of the way, God was and is still on his throne. He's still there. David shows us what genuine faith truly looks like in life. Here it is. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter how bright it is. It doesn't matter how hopeful it is. It doesn't matter how bad it is, how dire it is. It doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter what someone thinks about it. It doesn't matter about whether or not it's brick or mortar. It doesn't matter about this, that, or the other. You know what really matters? What really matters is... If it pleases the Lord, I'll see it again. And if it doesn't please the Lord, he'll do with me whatever he wants to. This is God's world, not ours. And the struggles that Absalom is having the struggles that David is experiencing the struggles that all the people are going through here in this story is simply because they think it's their world and, and, the, and the problems that you and I go through you can boil it all down to that we think it's our world this is not our world. This is God's world. And that's where we got to start and stay and remain. And so with all the hope that's in the Bible, the best I can give you is God is on his throne and we have today. Enjoy it. Let's pray. May your will be done. Ushers, come forward.